do what's best for others, regardless of the risk, regardless of the consequence. Easier said than done. You're about to meet two men with two stories of grit. One who does what's right for others at gunpoint with a gun to his forehead, and the other who won't stop until he tells the story. Pastor, author, and son, Chris Edmonds, our guest next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Folks, I can't wait to talk to our guest today. And let me tell you why. A couple of weeks ago, I read a book. The book was called No Surrender, written by our guest, Pastor Chris Edmonds. And it was about his father. He's going to tell you about it in just a little bit. But it was more for me about the idea of a son wanting to know more about his father and not quitting, not stopping, not giving in until not only did he know more about his father, this hero you're about to meet, but he was able to move his legacy forward to impact many, many more people. The story ends uh, in front of, of President Obama and, and, and goes even further than that. And so you're about to hear a, m- a most amazing story about heroism, but also entrepreneurialistic spirit. And uh, as you know, on Dash of Grit, that's what we deal with here is the pain that goes into that. And so I want to introduce you to our guest on Dash of Grit today. It's Pastor Chris Edmonds. He is the author of No Surrender. This is the book I read and loved, A Father, A Son, and An Extraordinary Act of Heroism That Continues to Live On Today. That's the title of the book. He's also pastor of Piney Grove Church in Maryville, Tennessee, and he's going to tell you about an organization he created called Roddy's Code. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dash of Grit, Pastor Chris Edmonds. Well, thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's so grateful to be able to share about Roddy's Code and about, about my father. I'm excited for you to talk about it. And let's let's just dive right in. I've talked enough. I, I want to hear from you. Uh, we like to start the show talking about success. And your story is about a World War II veteran who impacted his people through heroism and through courageousness and, and just the inability to quit looking out for others. But there's also a story about you uncovering this information. So can you take a little bit of time? Let us know a little bit about the story. Let us know a little bit about your father, but also tell us about success, perhaps success about the book, things that you're really proud of after you've done some of this work. Uh, Go ahead and brag a little bit about No Surrender and yourself. Let's hear from you, sir. Well, thank you, Brian. I want to brag on on God first, because without God, I would not have known this. And so uh, all that's been accomplished, he really has done. But but he put the spark in my in my heart and and the drive in my soul to go look to, to discover what happened to dad. Uh, I knew uh, as a kid and as a teenager and even college student that dad had been World War II, that he had uh, served well, but he'd been captured in the Battle of the Bulge. But uh, that's all we knew as a family. He never talked about it. Even when I would ask him when I was a college age kid, you know, obviously I'm digging into stuff and I'm thinking more about life and and so I'm asking him, and he he had written or kept two journals while he was in World War II, and and I pulled those out, sat down with him, and said, "Dad, tell me about some of this. You know, some of this stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's just cryptic notes. So when you got the, the you know, the dash mark and dogs, what happened there? Yeah, nothing. He would tell me nothing. So basically, what I discovered, I, I was rereading his diary just a few years ago. His words really just captured my heart. 
Dad died in 1985. So I'm reading his di- rereading his diary in 2009, and and he's you know he's been dead for many many years. I just feel compelled, and I'm embarrassed to be honest with you. Mm. I regret. You know, I, I've got to fight the doubts and the regrets in my heart because why did I not push him more? Why did I not ask him more about what happened? Right. So, uh, you know, I wake up in a sweat one night just around Thanksgiving and I'm like, I got to I got to find out more. And I begin this journey having no idea that it would lead me to be talking to you today uh, about that. So what I discovered in this journey was that dad truly was an American hero, but he'd always been my hero. See, dad was the same before the war, during the war, after the war, throughout his entire life. He was he was a, a rock when it came to moral clarity and mm. uh, doing what's right. And so uh, uh, what I discovered really didn't surprise me. It just kind of uh, reaffirmed all the things I knew about dad, but it did surprise me because of what, what he did and how he did it. Well, and that's what I was going to add. You, you should be surprised. I think someone like me that casually read the story out of nowhere, you know, you lived it and you saw it and, and, and you didn't live the story, but you lived the research of it. What your, your, your father did was, was remarkable and, and not something that I don't know, I don't think I could have done. I don't think many people could have done, even if we had wanted to. And, and I think you, maybe you can share that a little bit of, of, of a quick story of what he did, but, but I, it can't be undersold how valuable he was to society as a whole and all the people that he saved and all the lives that still are impacted because of, of his thing. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and talk, but I, I, I wanted to jump in and say that uh, the tears that were on my eyes while I read the book, the, your father was remarkable in, 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 in at least... Uh, uh, many ways. Well, thank you, Brian. And, you know, uh, I walk a lot. And so I listen to books while I walk. Well, just this uh, two weeks ago, I listened to the book again mm-hmm. and tears, <laughs> tears yeah. were in my eyes. And I know the story well. Yeah. But dad was the highest ranking American soldier in uh, a Stalag, uh, Nazi Stalag camp, Stalag 9A. It was near Ziegenhain, Germany. It was a POW camp for uh, non-commissioned soldiers. And, and all of these soldiers had been captured in the Battle of the Bulge. And it was near the end of the war, late January 1945. Uh, The Nazis uh, sadly had strict anti-Jew policies, even in the POW camps. And they would segregate Jewish men from non-Jews and they would send them to really their certain death in in, uh, concentration camps, labor camps. Even the army told American Jewish soldiers to destroy their dog tags uh, and never mention their Jewish identity. So long story short is they were all in this camp the second day into the camp. Dad being the highest ranking officer, uh, he received orders from the Germans late January 26th uh, that evening that the following morning he was to send only the Jewish men to the morning's roll call. And without hesitation, uh, Dad turned to his men in his barracks. And he said, we're not doing that. Tomorrow we're off. We all fall out. And they sent word to the other barracks. That's what they did. Obviously, it was freezing cold that, that January 27, 1945. Uh, and as the Nazi commander approached, he was from high command. He was the com- commandant of the camp. Uh, he had issued the orders for the Jews. He was stunned. He couldn't believe his eyes. All the Americans, nearly 1,300 soldiers, were standing in sharp formation. And so the German major, he rushed over to my father. He gets up into his face and he screams, they can't all be Jews, to which my father declares, we're all Jews here. Yes, which what a line, you know, and what bravery to say that. Mm. And so the Nazi turned blood red. 
He lunged forward. He, he pressed his pistol hard into my father's head and he screamed one last chance. And he said, Sergeant, you will order the Jews to step forward or I will shoot you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, by this point, dad and his men had faced a brutal battle of the bulge, death march, bombing while imprisoned in a boxcar, 40 days of starvation, being beaten, stripped of their dignity. And, and the, he did share one word with me. Son, we were humiliated. Well, I could tell you, much, there's much more in the book, but dad stood strong and fearless. And so finally he spoke with the gun to his head and he spoke calmly and his, his big booming voice that he had major, if you shoot me, you will have to kill all of us because we know who you are. And then he went on and he said, and you'll be tried for war crimes when we win this war. I love that part. When mm-hmm. we win this war. <laughs> and then he added the truth of the matter to that. He, he tacked on and dad was, was great about seeing clearly other people and knowing the truth. He said, and you will pay. Basically, he's saying, you'll regret this the rest of your life. All of that with a gun against his head and and a Nazi behind the trigger who has probably pulled that trigger a hundred times before, not even thinking about it. Exactly. And what what I discovered as I started this, you know, deeper into this journey, and we didn't know who Major Ziegman was until uh, probably three months before the book was published. I mean, we knew his name. I thought maybe his name was wrong. You know, I looked at every spelling you could find of this man. Bottom line was we found uh, his description and, and who he was and why there was much out there on him in some French documents written in French uh, because the French had, had responsibility for the Americans in POW camps. And so they and, and they had a lot of French prisoners in this particular POW camp. Ultimately, he was, and it's in the book. It's it's fascinating. I want to learn more about him too. But he he reported to General Yodel, and so he was one person removed from Hitler, and he were he was the eyes and ears of Hitler in the POW camps. Whenever whenever any reporting authority showed up in the POW camps, he was there with them, and he was smoothing things over, and he was very loyal to Hitler. So I mean, he was a bad dude. Yeah, but but. Lester told me, he said, the major blanched and turned white as a ghost Mm. and his arm began to shake. No one had ever stood up to him. No one ever told him the truth. And uh, still pressing the gun to my father's head. And it seemed like an eternity, Lester said. But as quickly as it all started, said the major pulled the gun to his side, snapped around and marched away. And he said, the great thing is he never came back for the Jews again. So I said, Lester, what did you guys do? He said, we really cheered your father. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I said, I bet you did. Oh my gosh. And I remember in the book, we, I think you talked about the number of grandchildren and the number of lives that, that exist now because your father Roddy took that stand that day for so many reasons. And that's not why he did it, but, but the, the, the culmination, the life changing uh, ramifications of that activity, of that action are just almost incalculable. They, they are. And, uh, you know, from the Jewish men who were saved, there's over uh, 2,000 children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren who are alive and well today. But ultimately, Dad helped save all of his his men later on, uh, as, as I discovered. And so me and Lester were sitting in his apartment one day, and Lester said, have you realized how many people are alive and well today because of your father's courageous actions? He said, not just that moment throughout the entire ordeal 
That's right. I said, no, I really haven't. He goes, well, I have. He said, there's probably over 13,000 people alive and well today See. because of your father. God bless him. So uh, let's let's talk. Uh, if I, I want folks to read the book, <laughs> and I, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, and I and I remember as I read it, uh, every single word standing out to me in so many ways. But I I, I want to talk to you about the research and the life changing aspects of what that meant for you and and the things that you had to do to overcome to be able to tell this story. And I think before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about the success of the book? Maybe a little bit about uh, some of the awards that we, I mean, we're not, we didn't do it for awards, but your father has been uh, awarded uh, uh, very uh, well uh, in, 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 uh, in important ways. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the success of your journey and the things that you're proudest of? And then I'd like to get into the, into your story a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned that, uh, I never planned on writing a book that wasn't right. the purpose. It was just to discover who my dad was. And, and so as I began this journey, um, and, and then, uh, I was trying to find information online. I was told by a friend that you could go online and get even army information. You know, you could order documents from the army. And so I just Googled dad's name one night, Roddy Edmonds, Roddy W. Edmonds, uh, master sergeant. And the first link that came up was a New York times article. Well, in the article, which had been written just a few months before, uh, Lester Tanner was in this article and he's talking about his life he lived an incredible, I could write a book on Lester. He lived an incredible life as well. Yeah. And ultimately in, the, in 1980, he had sold his townhouse to President Nixon. And, and he did it because of what happened in the POW camp, because it was the right thing to do. He said, I'm a Democrat. I didn't agree with any of his policies, but New York City was blackballing the president. And didn't want anybody. No one wanted him to be their neighbor. Hmm. And he said, that wasn't right. And I wanted to do the right thing. So he yeah. sold his townhouse to the president. Well, they're, re they're interviewing in 2008 about this. And so... I read it. I'm sitting at, at my computer and I'm reading this. And he, and he says, had it not been for the courage of my master sergeant, Roddy Edmonds, I would have never met the president. He saved my life. I was like, what? <laughs> so that, that really sparked the journey even further. Yeah. I met Lester. Lester told me uh, for the first time in 2013. So most of everything that's in the book, 90% or more, I didn't know until I, 2013 and after, which has been a blessing. After the meeting with Lester, um, he said, um, hey, um, oh, and he put us up in the Harvard Club for a yeah. week. Because, yeah. you know, anyway, that kind of sounded like a Beverly Hillbillies moment or something when I read it in the I book. It's like, OK, uh, yeah, here we I, are. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I could, I could tell you some. some Hillbillies <laughs> from anyway, so so Lester said, hey, have you uh, do you know your congressman? I said, yes, I do. He said, well, you should. He said, I think your father's deserving of the, of the Medal of Honor. You should talk to your congressman about that. So that's what really has sparked the journey from uh, discovering who dad was, what he did, uh, meeting other POWs, but also the book, two documentaries, and the book is award-winning. This, this is the Christopher Award, which I'm very proud of. We just won that for this year. Good. And it's a very prestigious award, and it's it's – an award that helps that picks out projects or books or songs or movies that help shine a light in the darkness. Yeah. And so that's this book. And um, the, the greatest award that dad has received to this point, our honor is righteous among the nations, you know, the mm -hmm. same as, as Schindler and Sugihara and others. And, um, you know, being able to meet president Obama and Steven Spielberg at, at the ceremony and ambassador Dermer and, 
by Mr. Netanyahu and just, I mean, world leaders. To know that dad's story has touched three presidents and, you know, President Trump at the Veterans um, Parade last year shared dad's story. Did he? And Lester, Lester was there, my daughters and their uh, husbands were there. I was I was on a speaking tour uh, with, with high school students, so I couldn't be there. I wanted to be there, but I already made a commitment to high school students, so I was there, but uh, I was interviewed on Fox. I mean, I, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's amazing. The journey has been pretty amazing. And and so that's the part. And, and I think our listeners want to hear more about your father. And I apologize to them because this is a dash of grit. And boy, if you want to talk about grit, there's the story there. And, and maybe we'll tell that story someday. Uh, but again, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a book and people can read it. The part that is that I'm interested in was not in the book, but I was able to read between the lines and I'll set it up for you. And, and you can tell me this story. And this is where the grit, I think you, so all these things you accomplished. And again, you didn't do it to accomplish it, but it, there's these awards and these medals and these, this information now and, and the legacy that is, that has been unearthed. That's the outcome of one morning you sitting up in bed going, I need to do this. And so I speak to our business leaders and entrepreneurial uh, folks that are listening and they're in business trying to figure out what to do next, whether they should take the risk, whether they should not give up this, go for that. You did it and you had no idea what you were going to find. All you knew is you wanted to know something. And each little time you went in a little deeper, you found something more, which caused you to get something more. You never quit and, and you still haven't quit. And so can you talk to us about the grit that you were able to show from this moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I have no idea what I'm going to do or what I'm going to find. I'm interested in that part of your life and, and uh, how you actually decided to to take this bull by the reins and, and go. Well, I, you know, I'm a lot like dad. I, I'm, I'm driven by my faith and, and passion for that. And I just felt compelled to find out about the story. And um, and then the story became my story. His story became my story. And, and life, uh, his life was intertwined with my life. And so I, I left a full-time job, a job that I loved. Um, you know, I was uh, executive director of a nonprofit. And in Knoxville, Tennessee, that uh, mentors middle school students throughout the school system. And we, 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 we meet with them uh, every week in a, in a club setting. And then we get take them to camp and we, we build friendships with college students. You know, that's who kind of does the, the work. So the so, bottom line, well, go ahead. Well, you, so I'm interested. Uh, we've all got families. You've got a full-time job and kids in school and, and doing your thing. And you say, I'm going to do this. How'd that go? Well, I had a little conversation with my wife and, yeah. and, and my grown children, you know, they're out of the house and, and, you know, we prayed about it yeah. and we felt good about it, even though I was scared to death, you know, uh, I'm, it's not my personality to do that. You know, I'm kind of an administrative guy. Okay. You need, you need, if God needs help in fixing something, I can help him. You know, that's kind of, I'm the nuts and bolts kind of guy, but I'm not the big picture visionary, you know, jump out and, uh, and, and, Basically, I've described this to my friends and, and other family members and anybody that would ask. It's like being dropped in the middle of the ocean. And you plunge down a few feet and then you come back up and then you're like, where's land? Well, you don't have any idea. Where, which way do I swim? And that, I, so I just I fell into that, jumped into that ocean and started swimming. Hmm. And I knew I needed I, I needed support financially. I mean, I, I quit a full time job making really 
pretty good money, benefits. And so I uh, had three partners come along with me. Uh, Lester was one of them, uh, grateful for his uh, leadership. And uh, But they, they, they wrote a check because I'd figured out how much money I would potentially need to to get this thing kicked off for a year, year and a half. And um, they wrote a check, three of them, my, son, my brother-in-law and then a, a longtime friend. All these men knew my dad in years past. Mm-hmm. So they weren't that unknown to him at all. But they wrote checks and they've all received fourfold, fivefold the check they wrote, you know. And, and so that helped me get to, yeah, it's it's been a success. Yeah. But uh, wh- there were so many, you want to say sharks in the water, uh, so, so many uh, hurricanes come through, riptides, all those kinds of things happen. And um, it, it's still, you know, it, if, if you're an entrepreneur and you got a passion and a drive to do something, I say go for it because you'll yeah. regret it the rest of your life. Yeah. And you got to jump into the ocean. And, of course, my life raft is God and also my, my partner's. Um, now I've, I've bought them out now at this point. So, you know, uh, they've, they've helped me get this moving forward, but yet now we're dealing with, with, with the big, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a shark or a school of sharks. It's COVID, you know, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's been a, a hard one for everybody. Yeah. You know, I had several part of, part of what I do is I go speak and then I get, I get paid to do that. Well, those all shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah, the book has done really well, and it's continuing to gather momentum and, and steam. And Harper Collins, um, Harper One has been fabulous, great, great publisher, and they they have taken the book for the long haul. I mean, they're continuing to promote it and publicize it, and, and uh, we, it's in it's in young readers edition, it's in audible edition, it's on CD. I mean, they they've gone all out, and I really appreciate. It. One of the one of the great things that that uh, that I think about your story is much like you say, jumping in the ocean. The ocean's a big thing of water, and you have no idea where you're at. And and I kind of picture it as, hey, go out and dig a hole somewhere and hope you find something. That's the way I kind of felt this way. Can you give us some idea of of hurdles that came up immediately? Sometimes that's God's plan too. He he says, okay, you go, but do you have the the the, the testament to continue? Uh, were there ever opportunities where you said, you know? I think I think this was a wild goose chase. I'm I'm not going to find what I need. This is not helping. I'm not I'm not accomplishing what I want to do. And since you didn't know what the end of the road looked like, was there ever a time where you said, you know, this just might not work? Well, yeah, I, I, we began. I began the journey with the with the pursuit of the Medal of Honor. We we still don't have any movement on that. Mm. Uh, the the Army has looked at it twice and said no twice. Hmm. So that's been very frustrating. And, uh, you know, almost, you know, a lot has come out at because of that pursuit, because of that pursuit of the Medal of Honor. Then um, one of Lester's friends who was helping helping us with trying to pursue the, the Medal of Honor actually turned all the information, the affidavits that we had gathered for for the Army. He turned all those into Yad Vashem. And they he surprised me because um, he, he hoped that they would would give dad the righteous. And so I, I didn't know all that was going on mm-hmm. and until I got the phone call from Israel and said that he had been awarded that, but that was over a year process. And we'd already been into the medal of honor process for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting to the end of my money, basically trying to get this accomplished. 
to get all this stuff accomplished. And I still, uh, I don't have a book hmm. deal. I don't have a, you know, I've, I've gone through two or three, or, or I've had the opportunity to, to evaluate two, I guess, three different book agents. And that whole process is a, is, is a mountain in, in of itself. And so in my, I was praying for the right book, book agent. I was praying for a, a Jewish co-author because I could bring the, my dad's side of the equation, but I couldn't really bring the Jewish side uh, to the equation. So I wanted a co-author, not one that would, would write the book for me, but one who would write the book with me and that we would work together on it. God answered all those prayers. I was able to connect with uh, Richard Abate at Three Arts Entertainment as my agent, fabulous guy, but and I love him because he just he just tells you the truth straight up. And uh, even in that book process, you know, as we started marketing the, um, you know, kind of the summary of the book, where you know, here's our idea, here's here's you know, you kind of have to put a mini book together to do that, and we did that, but. You know, we, we hit snags all the way through that. You know, it's it's when, when you don't have competition in the water looking at your story, then you don't get a lot of play with it. And right. there were moments where, you know, it was, I was on my knees again saying, okay, God, you brought me this far, and, and now we're just, we're, we're not going to get a book? I mean, we're, you know, and and the money's running out, and, you know, I'm shifting That means money. the story doesn't get told. I mean, everything just falls apart. Told. And this this is not about money, but this is no. about getting the story told. But yet, you got to have money, yeah, to eat, you know. So, so I'm 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 borrowing money from credit cards and you know all those kinds of things that entrepreneurs tend to do. But it it all worked out, and I had a I had a really good friend of mine. He's a marketing guru guy in Knoxville. You know, he he had heard what I was up to and what I was trying to do. He actually helped design the uh, the logo for Roddy's Code. And um, anyway, it was probably a, a year after the well, not quite a couple of months after the the book came out. And I'm speaking at an event in Knoxville, and he's he shows up. He's there. He comes up to me, and of course, he's buying the book, and he goes. Chris, I didn't believe a word that you told me when you said you were going to go write a book about this. He said, wow. I, I looked at you and I smiled and I thought, you know, that'd be Probably a great hears thing it all the happen, time. But, but, but that never happens. That ne It's not going to happen. You know, he didn't tell me that, which I'm grateful he didn't tell me. <laughs> but he came out, he goes, I just want to apologize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's so many moments in it that you, you hit the wall. Um, and, and you want to say, you know, I don't think I've got any more energy to, to, to put to this, you know, when you're walking the halls of Congress and you're in Washington, DC, and you're in the silos of these offices that never seem to talk to each other. And you're trying to get them to cooperate in order to, you know, uh, that's been, been, um, you know, I guess recommended for the Medal of Honor, but also recommended for the the Congressional Gold Medal, which is a an act of Congress. I mean, they can do that. Yeah. So I've, I've been on that journey. I've been knocking on doors, and we still have, don't have that accomplished. And you just kind of want to throw up your hands, or you want to run into one of the officers and just scream at them, you know, and go, "Hey, wake up! This is something good. Yeah. You know, you guys fuss about all the crazy stuff. This is something everybody can stack hands on, and this will be good for the nation, good for the world. But we're still not there yet." Yeah, but I've given up. 
because Roddy's Code is an organization. It, it's not designed to, to make money, although we've we got to have money to operate, but it's designed to uh, get dad's legacy, to, to extend his legacy, to instill uh, his values in others, and to inspire heroes everywhere. And I've had the privilege to do that from, from grade school kids to presidents and leaders of the free world and leaders of Europe uh, and everybody in between. And I still want to do that. That story has touched millions of lives. We just had a historical marker put placed in downtown Knoxville on the very path that he walked to and from high school. Hmm. And it's beside the East Tennessee Historical Society and, and a Jewish organization, uh, the, the Jewish Historical Preservation Society had it made. And, and I worked with them and worked with a, the Knoxville Jewish organization to help it help it be plant, put there and. So it's things like that we want to accomplish. I, and I have dreams of a movie, uh, which potentially that's going to happen. And then I have dreams of uh, maybe a, a live action video game of, of oh World War II with, with dad in it, you know, and, and their story kind of built into that. But it can be interactive because my grandson. Any way to teach the, the next generation history. I, if it's a video game, fine. I, I don't yes. care. Let's get it into yeah. their minds so they never lose it. Otherwise, we'll lose it, won't we? We will. We will. And, and, and so looking, how can we educate our young people and not just our young people, but some of our old, old people, you know, yep, yep. To, count me in Yep. to, you know, to live what's right. So, so basically, you know, dad was driven. If I say his basic values was, was faith, family, freedom, and fun. I mean, those were the kind of the four things that, that dad. And so I've encapsulated that into, you know, dad uh, enjoyed life. And that's what we should do. And dad expressed love to everyone and dad embraced uh, God. So that's kind of the, the three things I try to inspire people with. And I think that's what you're going to be able to do with Roddy's Code. And if we can transition just quickly, I'd like you to think about our listeners as those who might like to be impacted by Roddy's Code, might like to be impressed by or, or uh, uh, somehow touched by Roddy's Code. Can you explain a little bit about how you would go about using Roddy's Code to, to help further that legacy and to help uh, inform us and educate us on, on some of these things? Uh, and then perhaps even let us know, how would we get in contact with you about Roddy's Code? How might we be able to, to take advantage of some of the things that you're doing uh, help further your mission too sure well i think as far as he, the, he's he's got a we've got a website on dad it's roddy's code i mean roddyedmonds.com uh there's a another on the book no surrender book.com and and there's pictures and there's uh, there's uh additional information and stories connected to to dad there's also a reader's guide on no surrender book.com um that's available there's links to dad's short documentary that can be used in school settings or in church settings, synagogue settings, personal settings. There's also a teacher's guide that goes with that. Uh, the, the Jewish Foundation for the Righteous, jfr.org, is another great resource. They actually produced the film, and um, that's a part of the success of Roddy's Code as well. And and they uh, we have we have a longer version that that won a um, honorable mention at the Academy Awards two years ago. We're hoping to get those that on TV. Dad's story is also a part of a, of a documentary by PBS called GI Jews, which is very well done. Mm. Um, that's a resource I would encourage folks. You can go to PBS 
forward to um, to connect to that and watch that that film as well. You can invite me to come, and I'd be happy to come and, and speak uh, at churches, synagogues, business roundtables, business conventions, schools. Uh, I have some groups that bring me in, and I hit all those at once. You know, I'm there for three or four days, and I, you know, I'm going everywhere under the sun. But interviews like you on podcast, you know, I've been on on a variety. I can't name the number of media outlets that I've I've appeared on and talked about that, but. The main thing is to, to get dad's values. Uh, bottom line is doing what's right for others. Yeah. You know, and, and Lester, Lester said from that moment on, he decided that he was going to do what's right for others, regardless of the risk, regardless of the circumstances. He said it was, it was the defining moment of his life is when dad stood up for him. And he said, "You." Know, and then he then he grinned at me. He goes, "You know, for a New York lawyer, it's hard to do sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I I laughed with it with him, but but he has been a man of integrity and strength and doing what's right for others all the way through. And uh, his life has intersected with uh, people like Robert F. Kennedy, Arthur Schlesinger, the Rockefellers. Obviously, President Nixon, President Trump now, and President Obama, and Billy Joel, and I mean, I could go on and on of people that Lester's life touched in positive ways, and and I'm thinking Lester shouldn't be here, right? I shouldn't be here, to be honest with you. And the only reason we're here is because of what Dad chose to do. Yeah. And um, so I'm so grateful that the, the power and particularly in our culture today, not just in America, but around the world, selfishness has risen to a level where uh, it's almost unbearable hmm. and it's dominating our culture and our world. And we need selflessness to, to come back in vogue. And dad's story certainly goes to the heart of, of, selfless service to others for the good of others. You know, I can think of no better advice uh, given from one entrepreneur to another uh, and from one entrepreneur to you to another. Do what's best for others, regardless of the risk, regardless of the circumstance. And whether you're standing up for your brothers in arms uh, facing death, uh, certain death, or whether you're in business trying to, you know, for lack of better words, make a buck. You do what's right for others regardless of the risk, regardless of the circumstance, and things will work out for everyone to that end. And uh, Oh, I agree. I mean, we're, I'm here I'm here talking to you because of people. Yeah. You have to treat people right. And so when let's put it in dad's vernacular in his world. He's he's a he's a, a mid-level commander in the army. So for him to be a great leader, he's got to be a great follower. Okay. The other thing for him to be a great leader, he's got to be a a great doer and a man of action. And he, he always lived his life, whether he was in, whether in his sales career or in his army career, take care of the troops in the trenches. That's your number one priority. And for any leader, any entrepreneur, whether it's you and your wife or whether it's you and and a thousand others, you got to take care of the troops in the trenches and you got to, you got to treat people right. 
No other way to live. Pastor Edmonds, we are out of time. So sadly, I think I want to do this again and, and just focus on, on your father. I, just, I thank you so much for impacting my life uh, because of the story that I read. Um, I'm so glad you're here and that thousands of others are here. And I'm so thankful for what your father did. And I'm, and I'm thankful that you were able to take on the challenge and unearth that legacy and, and spread it to others. So thank you in a very minor way for being a part of this show, uh, but in a very big way for all the things that you've accomplished. I really do appreciate uh, your being a part of Dash of Grit. Well, thank you, Brian, and God bless. Thank you very much. A quick uh, uh, commercial for Spire Advertising, if you don't mind me taking a second. Uh, we are a marketing company that likes to make a difference for your business, doing what's right for people, no matter the risk, no matter the uh, the consequence uh, in a, in a uh, offhanded way. But uh, we do try to make a difference. If you would like to talk with us, please uh, check out our website, spiread.com, uh, or you can reach me direct at brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at spiread.com. I'm on LinkedIn too. That's where I met Pastor Edmonds, and uh, I, I highly uh, encourage that as a way to uh, connect with folks. I'm Brian Leffelock, Director of Sales with Spire Advertising. Thank you again to Pastor Chris Edmonds, author of No Surrender. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Now go show some grit and win the day. Have a nice day. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. 